Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Savvy Citizen, the podcast by Gaston County Government. I'm Elizabeth McGee, your host today, along with Adam Gobb. We will be interviewing Pat Laws and Mark Bullock about the Urgent Repair Program, which repairs houses in critical need through several grants that the county receives every year, including ESFR, CDBG, and URP. I know, a lot of acronyms, but we'll explain them later. A major concert event is coming to Belmont this September. The legendary Marshall Tucker Band will highlight the Soundtracks Music Festival on Saturday, September 30th. Ben Chapman and today's Yesterday Band will get things started, with other bands performing at Belmont bars and restaurants throughout the day. More information and ticket sales are available at downtownbelmont.org. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Savvy Citizen. Today, we are here with Pat Laws and Mark Bullock to talk about the Urgent Repair Program. Um, Pat is our grants manager and so much more. She works to build, um, help write grants um, and helps get the county just millions and millions of dollars uh, that support programs that we probably otherwise wouldn't be able to do without this extra grant funding. Um, she's super smart and funny and fashionable. And she's um, next door to me. My office is right next door to Pat. So <laughs> um, welcome, Pat. And then Mark Bullock is here. Also, he is the house. Hold on. I was going to about to say it wrong. Housing <laughs> Rehab Program Manager. Manager. Yeah. Did I say it right? You did. He's no, just say it five times fast and you're good. <laughs> He's got business cards and everything. He's Mark, unfortunately, does not is not my office neighbor, so <laughs> I don't get to see him as often. Uh, Mark's the housing rehab program manager, and I hear he's also a black belt. And a couple different styles. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah so truly a multi-talented individual. Oh, yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast, y'all. Thank you. Thanks. So now we really have to be worried about asking offensive questions. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Does, does your black belt training ever come handy in your day job? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably hoping that that never comes in handy yeah, on a day absolutely. job. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and the big question I have for Pat is like, whenever you get a grant award, do you have like a, a celebratory thing? Do you have like a a loud horn or something or a cowbell. I wish you had a cowbell bell that you could ring every time. We you used it. to have a cowbell in oh. budget. We did. See? <laughs> we don't have it anymore. I think Bryant Moorhead took it with him. Oh. He to Haywood County. Well, we have a wind wall. Adam. Yeah. That's and true. so uh, we just put up new grand awards on the wind wall today. Oh, yeah. Tell us mm -hmm. about the new grand award. On yeah. The wind well, wall. we got uh, almost $850,000 this year in awards from uh, Governor's Crime Commission. So wow. congratulations. That. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, Pat is our one and only grants manager. And I feel like your, your wins and your losses. I don't know. I sometimes I wish I knew more about uh, all your wins and losses that you have uh, all the time. I know. So we were just talking before this podcast and you were listing out a bunch of uh, of the types of grants that you um, apply for and have received because I know you've received millions of dollars over the past many years. But do you know exactly how much money you've brought in? Uh, no, I used to keep track of that. But I'd say in the 13 years I've been here that it's probably in excess of $70 million. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money, even spread over 13 years. Right. <laughs> and even for a, for a local government, because sometimes we talk about it, it's like, oh, well, you know, 
that, yeah. you know, some money for government isn't the same as money for people just to, in terms of scale. But I mean, even for us, that's a lot of money. Well, yeah. and the great thing about that is that almost every one of those dollars goes to provide some kind of direct service to, to citizens who live in Gaston County. So. Mm -hmm. Just like the urgent repair program. Mm -hmm. Do you have a dollar exactly. estimate of how much money have we funneled to residents through the urgent repair program so far? Well, if if you go back to before Mark even started, which was which was in 2016, Mark, uh, we had uh, from 2013, I think, was the first urgent repair money we got. And it's consistently gone up over the years. So, so we get more and more every year. Well, not every year, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wish. But, but I mean, it, it used to be 75000 then it went up to 100000 and now it's 132000 But we've gotten over, well over a million dollars in urgent repair. And Mark, you can speak to that urgent repair has a limit on the amount of money that you can spend uh, so, uh, uh, over a million dollars, and what's the what's the most that you can spend on an urgent repair now? Yeah, we administer a couple different programs: the URP Urgent Repair Program, um, ESFR Essential Single Family Rehab, and Neighborhood Revitalization. But the urgent repair program, we can spend up to about twelve thousand dollars per house. So it's a lot of homes to to get to a million dollars, uh, and it's it's been a it's been a difficult build, I guess you would say. Um, when you go to implement a program that never existed, what we had, we had an outside vendor that had some issues and we brought it back in house. And when we did, we had to build the infrastructure in house to, to sure. make it work. And, and that infrastructure uh, was everything from vetting contracts to uh, eventually adopting some new software that managed grants and the munis and the change in the grants ordinance and a lot of different things, uh, along with hiring employees, taking on more grants. But since we brought it in-house, we rehabbed over 100 houses and uh, spent several million dollars. So wow. it's, been a, it's been a good program so far. I think I got ahead a little bit when I started off this interview, let, why don't we back up a second and just, what are we talking about here with the urgent repair program and the ESFR? I'm so mm -hmm. horrible with acronyms oh, and I always get dyslexic with the acronyms. Well, Josh yeah. just put in the, the sound of like the beep. <laughs> You're, <laughs> saying it it You're saying it wrong. You're saying it wrong. So Mark, tell us about the, 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 the uh, global view of the program that you oversee. Okay. What was your team doing? Okay, so um, we we administer three grants right now. One, the URP we speak of, um, that's up to twelve thousand per home. Um, also, an ESFR, which is Essential Single Family Rehab Grant, which is up to thirty thousand per home. And then we recently um, attained a few years back that we're administering now the um, Neighborhood Revitalization Grant, who's through the Department of Commerce, and that's. We, we're, we'll probably do the largest rehab on a single house. That's up to 170,000 on one home that we'll rehab. So that's wow. that's kind of the 13,000 feet look down at the three grants that we push and promote. Mm -hmm. But um, the URP and the ESFR are staples through the North Carolina Housing Finance Agency that we continue to get funded for based on our performance and, and mm -hmm. how well we built our program. Yeah, so you're basically offering grants to residents to help fix their homes that have livability issues. Can you speak to so what some of those um, issues could be that you're helping to fix or rehab? Sure, our, our grants are for, for 
low-income citizens that earn the 30 or 50 percent percentile of the of the median income for the state uh, the citizens that we help are either elderly handicapped disabled veterans single parents um, things of that nature and for the work we do for them um, many of them would be displaced from their homes if we we could not do this they don't have any other assistance or help whatsoever mm -hmm. uh, but the majority of the things we may do would be a roof um, handicap ramp um, bathroom modifications um, anything in the home that would allow them to stay in that home safely mm -hmm. and i think the the problem is most of the folks we deal with and the low to median income range uh, they either don't have family, um, they have low to no equity in their home, and at some point without these programs, they would be pushed into institutional care, which aka a retirement home. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, they're, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think it's important to realize these programs are a win-win for everyone. Mm -hmm. the, the, the neighborhood, the homeowner, the community, the, the taxpayer, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. If you spend $12,000 on a home and you keep someone in that home for five years, we know from state studies it costs forty-one dollars to $85,000 a year per person to, to house in a, in a retirement home. Mm -hmm. So if you slow or postpone that transition, 50, 000, if you looked at 50000 a year per person, just to use make the math simple, at five years, it's $250,000. Wow. Yeah, and then if you did that, times over 100 homes, and we did well over 100 homes, you're talking about 25 million, 10 years, 50 million, and that's using low math. Yeah. Yeah, in addition to that, it not only slows or stops the disrepair of the home, it also prevents um, these folks getting put into institutional care or, or God forbid, homelessness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of good things that, that, uh, that come from this. Um, some other things that, that folks probably would not recognize or realize especially our elected officials, is that the taxpayer pays two-thirds for all institutional care. That's 40% mm -hmm. through Medicaid, 23% through Medicare post-acute care. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a direct savings to the taxpayer, not just the homeowner. So it truly is a win-win. And mm -hmm. um, there's always the human element, which is the most important. That's to keep them in their home safely and, yeah. and, and give them some dignity. But beyond that, it also helps the taxpayer. And that's why the, the federal and state governments continue to fund these programs and why we need to build an infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, that, that works well internally so we mm -hmm. can push it out to our citizens. Mark, Mark and his team are superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I know. Matt Powell was saying that y'all are the ones who are actually on the ground speaking with people and helping them work through these renovation projects. We are. And um, when I started out, you know, you, you're a one-man army. I had other responsibilities at, at Build Development Services, and we brought this grant in-house. And from there, it grew. And, and you know, you're only as strong as your team. Mm -hmm. And so my, the employees I have, they, there's there's – not a great deal of them. We're about four in total, but they work really hard and they mm -hmm. do they do a good job from administrative to out in the field. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we're on the front lines. We we see a lot of uh, things that a lot of folks would be comfortable seeing, yeah. but uh, we're also there to help too. So, mm -hmm. uh, if we can, it, it makes a difference in a, in a lot of lives. That's I, that's wonderful. I feel like that should almost be like our new tagline instead of uh, the global local strengths global success. It should uh -huh. just be small but mighty. <laughs> in so many ways, right. truly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, Pat, can you speak to uh, 
are do we have peers in North Carolina who also receive these funds or or no are we unique in receiving these we are unique in that we are one of the few counties okay. that implements these programs. Hmm. Uh, almost all of these funds are administered by nonprofits. Oh, wow. Um, Habitat for Humanity okay. is one of the biggest, but uh, uh, Carolina, Central Carolina, Carolina government. Oh, uh, Central Carolina. Yeah, Council yeah. of Governments. Whatever COG. that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They've done they've done a few, but I think they've given I think they've given up on them because they're they're difficult programs. And a, a lot of these nonprofits try to do multiple counties uh-huh. at one time because you get more money. And yeah. if you get more money, you get more cost to sustain your nonprofit. Sure. So uh, but no, Gaston County is unique. It's one of the very few counties in the state that does this program in house. Mm-hmm. So do the people that apply for this program, do they have to live outside of city limits and in, in the county or can they be anywhere in Gaston County? No, they can be anywhere in Gaston County. The city of Gastonia is an entitlement area and they get home funds that, that actually come from HUD as much like our ESFR funds. Um, what does ESFR stand for? It's Essential Single Family Rehab. That's a re- okay. rehab of a home for the low to median incomes up to about $30,000 per house. We can do renovations. Okay. But the city of Gastonia also does some of that. Um, but the way our programs work is if the city cannot get to that rehab within six months, then we have the ability to go and do that rehab. So we also do rehabs in the city of Gastonia and every other city in town in the county. That's awesome that you have the ability to step in like pretty quickly if needed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the the big storm that came through Cherville a while ago. I, I mean, do you know off the top of your head if, if any, if, you'll have rehab stemming from damage due to that storm? We, we may, but there's one thing about the urgent repair program. In some instances, it's not as urgent as you think it would be. So huh. we apply for <laughs> funding every year. And when we get it, then we take applications in one month of the year. And there's a great deal of need out oh. there. And then we do renovations um, beyond that for the rest of the year. And we've had, we have overlapping grants. If you get a 23 URP for that year, it runs about two and a half years. And then the next year, year 24 and then okay. in the midst of that we do esfrs over three years and so you've got a lot of overlapping programs but yeah. to answer your question um it, there we have done some roof repair and things from storms in the past but yeah. uh the program through the state is not set up to uh if you have an issue okay. to, to run up there so it's, okay so it's not set up to actually be a Urgent as in it is definitely needed, but not urgent as in we're prepared to Correct. come in next week Correct. to fix the roof. A storm just ripped a hole in your roof. Yeah. 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 Put we a wish. tarp on it till we can get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It'd be good if it did. <laughs> yeah. But there are, I mean, there's other funding that's available. Like there's stuff that comes through like the state emergency management and FEMA and different things when there are like super urgent or however what level of urgent we want to place yeah. that in mm-hmm. you're right they had some disaster recovery funds they ran through north carolina right. housing finance agency that that did speak to that uh-huh. um we have not um had a calls to participate in that we've never went after that funding and I, if it even exists anymore uh-huh. it usually follows storms or funding cycles at the state so it's 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 just not something we've utilized. And the sad thing about the program is that there's always so much more need than there is money. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know, Mark, how many applications do you think you take that you don't get to? So a- even though we only take applications one month a year, what we do is we take 
the names, numbers, and circumstances of everyone all during the year. So mm-hmm. right now, um, we will probably take applications um, in September of this year, um, and we already have over 95 people on file that are requesting help. So, And that's just the ones we keep. And about how many of those 95 do you typically are able to assist in a year? Well, it'll it'll depend on the amount of the rehab, up to twelve thousand dollars. So if you're doing ten or twelve or, oh, or fifteen, so um, you just do as many as you can do until you run out of money. money. Correct. So yeah. so what is your process for that? Are you prioritizing applicants, and then the most the person who has the highest need is number one, and then you right? And 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 that's a good question. The highest needs a, a pretty relative question when right. you look at it. So the, what the program does is it looks at the income, mm-hmm. it looks at the circumstances. So if you're elderly, you get so many points. If okay. you're handicapped, disabled, you get so many points. If you are a veteran, you get so many points, so on and so forth. Um, and then we take that point system. And then if you have a, a multi-tie across it, then they look at the income as the final okay. deciding factor of who gets funded. Is this a rubric or some kind of grading criteria that is handed down to you from the grantor? It is. It's part of the state program, and we're required to abide by by their rules. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Are you able to help connect people to other resources? So like for the folks that don't get selected, can you... We talked about Habitat a little bit earlier. I mean, can you go to different nonprofits or? We we actually, when we, we, we have to send out disposition letters when we make a determination who's getting served and who's not. And then everyone in those disposition letters, whether you get assistance or you have to apply again next year, we send out a partners list. Mm-hmm. On that partners list, there's other programs that actually work with our programs. Um, one may be a HARP, or, which is a, a heating and air replacement repair program. One may be a WAP which is a weatherization program. Um, Those are both through Blue Ridge Community Action. We have other programs that we um, uh, give give our citizens, like for independent living, which is ramp modifications, bathroom modifications. We can do all those things through our grants, but if we're able to let those other agencies do that, then we'll use our money to do something else within that home. So Ah. we do give out a partner's list and try to to push them through what helps out there. That makes sense. Yeah. So... Pat, I know that our, our our county has to do follow-up reporting on these types of grants every year. Can you speak to what some of the results are that you've either done through reporting or just even anecdotally that you've heard of as you've been serving people in the field, Mark? Well, Mark has more interaction with homeowners, but I do get calls from people who are so thankful. I was telling you about the person that we with urgent repair money we replaced his electrical box outside uh-huh. uh it had failed and he was going to have to move out of his house and he was just so grateful and it brought me to tears cuz he came up to the county and actually hand delivered a happy thanksgiving card to oh. me <laughs> wow <laughs> and it was it was just so just so humbled yeah uh, uh I was by his uh, how grateful he was because it wasn't a really expensive repair, but that's one of those things that had we not been able to do that with urgent repair money, he could not have stayed in his house. Yeah, so, yeah. We see a lot of elderly people too who are really, really just great, just so grateful beyond uh, what you can even imagine for the smallest thing mm-hmm. because they don't have to leave. Yeah, I think it's a good point. We. We take a lot of things for granted, water, sewer, 
a refrigerator that works, having air conditioner or heat during these temperatures. Um, and these folks have gone without that for months and years at some times. Mm-hmm. We've seen um, someone without water in their 70s running a garden hose from the neighbor's house just to bowl water to sponge bath. I mean, oh. so there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of need out there, and um, if you don't see it every day, it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. But we can help a lot of folks with the grants, that's for sure. Yeah, broken windows. I mean, you take for granted if a window breaks at your house, you get it replaced. Sure. But, you know, there are a lot of people who apply for these programs who've had windows broken out for years mm. and haven't had the funds to replace them. Or, Elizabeth, I was telling you earlier, one of the big things seems to be water leaks in the bathroom and the tub has fallen through the floor, and so it's not safe anymore to yeah. bathe. Uh, and again, you just don't think about not having uh, facilities mm-hmm. to take a bath or a shower. Yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of accidents that are just life-altering, really, and without, I don't know, basically a miracle. I think you used the word miracle earlier. It's it, it makes sense why people are so grateful because opportunities like this for someone to come in and help you actually fix these enormous problems are major well and if it means that you don't have to go into assisted living yeah uh, for you know elderly people that that's a huge change to lose your home uh and to have to lose everything that you have i mean you can't take your furniture with you you just can take minimum number of things and and you move somewhere that you don't know anybody and yeah. you don't feel comfortable um, that's a that's a life-altering change when you're elderly Mm-hmm. Well, maybe when you're any age. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Pat, I wanted to ask you because this is this is obviously just one of the many grants that you work on. How do you kind of keep all of these straight, and how do you kind of learn enough about the different programs that you have to apply for to make sure that you're dotting all your eyes, crossing all your t's, to make sure that we've got a good application when we're submitting for the different grants? Wow. That's a big question. <laughs> a big question. Um, I'm hoping the answer isn't uh, just I close my eyes and cross my fingers and hope. <laughs> and just point. <laughs> no. Um, well, I, I guess I'll start by saying that I, I've actually been writing grants for more than 30 years. So because oh, wow. uh, in my former life, uh, I wrote a lot of education grants uh, and managed those. Um, I think what I try to do is... I, I try to bec- to become really familiar with the services that the county offers or wants to offer. Hmm. And so then I look for grants that will support those services. And then I contact a department and say, here's some grant money that you maybe could use. And then we talk about what they'd like to do with it. And then, you know, I write the grant and... And all the grants are different. I mean, we have services for domestic violence, sexual assault. We have services that grant services at DSS for um, disabled uh, elderly people. The law uh, and the law assisted diversion program was a huge rent win recently. Yeah, it really is. That's going to be a great program because not only is that going to save money as far as housing people in the jail, and I think it's up to about $85 a day. Mm-hmm. And so if if you take somebody and you put them through a, a year and a half, two-year program so that they're no longer addicts and they don't have to keep being rearrested, then uh, that's a, you know, that's going to be a real win for the county. Uh, we have, we haven't heard about it yet, but we have a million dollar grant 
uh, we should hear the end of September for Veterans Treatment Court, which mm. will be another big win. Instead of going to jail, you go into treatment and you have a lot of support. So, uh, you know, we have grants for equipment for the police uh, and for gyms. We have grants for uh, Narcan over at the sheriff's office. Right. Um, we just have there are a lot of different a lot of different services that I really don't think people in the county citizens know all the services that grant money provides. Mm -hmm. I don't think your average county employee knows. I mean, just because, I mean, we've got more than 30 departments across the county and all of these different programs. I mean, just DSS by itself has got all these different programs that they're running and, and different things that they're tasked with, either by the feds or by the state or that we do here locally. I mean, it's just... Uh, I always feel like I'm learning. Yeah, it's mind-boggling the, the amount of stuff that our county does. It really is. <laughs> Actually, can we back? Can you talk a little bit about? Because um, you mentioned that we are kind of we are unique in that we are county administering this type of program. How did this get started? You mentioned that the, your grant application process starts with identifying a county need. Mm -hmm. um, did you bring this to the attention of county leadership? Or how did this whole thing get started? Well, when I started here, uh, there was an urgent repair program, and but it was being administered by an outside consulting firm. And as oh, Mark you said, mentioned that, Mark. Yeah, they had some issues with contractors and with paperwork and things. So that's when we brought it in-house. And so we, at that time, we, um, we had urgent repair. We didn't have single-family rehab, um, and we had Scattered Site, which was a, a CDBG program. Uh, so we just looked at those, and, you know, I just studied those and thought, we can do all of these. And you were right. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say we, I mean Mark and his group. <laughs> uh, but really, I mean, Mark took it on when he was just uh, working by himself. Yeah. And he did build, he built forms, he built, uh, you know, the reporting forms, the selection forms. It, it was a huge process to bring this whole, all three of these programs in-house and, um uh, and he's a hero. He is. He's a hero. Can you speak to some of that, like what you went through as you were bringing this program in house? Um, when we start, when we first looked at bringing the funding in house, it started with um, resumes, really. I mean, Pat's resume, my resume, others. Um, so I had always had a, a contractor's license and a broker's license, and a lot of years in development, but um, I had to go get additional certifications and lead, asbestos, building analyst. Um, See, I knew you were multi-talented. <laughs> a lot of things, and that was just to apply for the grant. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, so we could be competitive because what North Carolina Housing Finance says you wants to see is that not only do you, do you want the grant, but you have the capacity to pull it off. Because when you're talking about state or federal funds, they want to make sure you know what you're doing when they give you the money. Mm. But uh, um, through that, after we received it and we started the implementation, um, uh, worked it for my, by myself for a while and then um, hired employees in uh, 2018, 2020, and 2022. So as we began to implement the program in-house and build the infrastructure, we adopted some grant software called Neighborly. We um, uh, took on some Munis responsibilities. We and created Munis is our financial software. Correct. Just 
For those who don't know the jargon, <laughs> I don't expect anyone listening to know what I'm going to say. Well, and, and I say too, Mark had to create from scratch a procurement and disbursement policy wow. specific to the rehab grants and an assistance policy. And that uh-huh. has to be approved by housing finance, and then it has to go to the board uh, with the resolution. Uh, it's a lot of hoops to jump It through. is. <laughs> it is. It's a lot. Yeah. But, but a- that's the world of grants, too. Yeah. There, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, lot, lot of reporting, a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. There, Because there has to be transparency. There has to be accountability. I mean, exactly. it makes sense, but it definitely is a whole extra skill set and a whole extra workload. It really is. And when you talk about dotting your I's and crossing your T's, you know, we had um, two years ago, we had a federal audit of four of our federal grants. Mm -hmm. It took 14 months. Wow. Every week there was a meeting for 14 months. Wow. And they asked for a it was both programmatic and financial. They asked for agendas, rosters, financial documents. I mean, it co- it was like the old Sherwin Williams commercial. The paint covered the world. They covered oh. the they covered the <laughs> whole earth with that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's you you have to be a detailed person to implement a grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why doesn't Mark's business card say Housing Repair Ninja? Because <laughs> this sounds like a more accurate description. Especially considering the black belt. Yeah, uh, yeah I think well, that's good. And, and Pat's being modest. It does take a lot to institute grants from the compliance side to the we we get it all we get audited every year every time on yeah. the grants we do with no exception. And you're graded and um, for future funding based on your performance on those grants. Mm-hmm. So. When we continue to build our infrastructure, we had stand, you know, SOPs, standard operating procedures we had to create for not only for a new program to establish an, a department, but then the succession training comes in for the county, meaning how does this thing survive if, if one of us gets hit by a bus? Right. You know? So right. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things I probably didn't realize going in the grants that 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 pat had had the experience in 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 past years and that was the compliance and audit and oversight issues um you fortunately we're very good at at our paperwork (laughs) so to speak um and we've done really well uh and i think uh you know um Grant programs internally in-house are very difficult to manage for housing rehab, not just because of the grant aspect, but also because of the construction aspect. Construction is just messy. It doesn't matter where you do it, how you do it. It's, it's never going to be a clean one and done or, or no gray areas. It's, there's yeah. always exceptions. There's always change orders. And, um, you know, working those through systems and grant systems can be difficult. So it's, it's I guess, the, 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 the entirety of the program um, beyond the grant and compliance side and the construction side um, is, is, is it, it is difficult to administer until you get a good infrastructure and that and we've done that which led to the creation of the Gaston County Housing Rehab Department mm-hmm. so that never existed you know, a few years ago but let me say one thing about Mark too that he won't say about himself and that is that in addition to being good at construction and at paperwork He's also really good at dealing with people. Mm. You always have somebody 
no matter how carefully you try to be, you always have somebody who's not happy with what you did. Mm-hmm. You know, this this outlet's in the wrong place. This is not the faucet uh, I wanted. I mean, I can remember one instance where we put in three different commodes because uh, they, none of them were right. You know, they just didn't look right. I but Mark didn't goes, realize uh, there was such a difference. Well, nor did I. There shouldn't be. <laughs> <I. laughs> there shouldn't But be. Mark is wonderful at dealing with those kinds of things and making sure that ultimately that homeowner is happy with the work. That is that is a true skill set. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Hey, citizens, are you feeling savvy yet? If not, let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Ready to celebrate with your community? Then come join Gaston County Public Health for the second annual Walk and Roll Together Gaston. It's a chance to celebrate the Hispanic and Latino members of our community. It's all happening Saturday, October 7th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in downtown Gastonia. Visit gastongov.com and click on the community calendar for more details. We take applications for about a month. We go through the DSS intake department. So if someone on our list that we maintain, which is over 95 people, uh, we'll send that list to them and they will create a, um, a call sheet and have them come in bring their paperwork bring their income and all their papers and at the end of that month when we stop taking applications we uh, will rank those folks send out disposition letters and let them know who we can and can't help so if people haven't submitted yet but feel like they would potentially fall into you know meet the income requirements and have a need that would qualify for them they shouldn't be discouraged from applying simply because there's already applications out there right no and if if you were the 95th person to apply you may still rank number one right so there's there's not you can always apply. You can call us today if you want to, and we'll put you on the list, and then we'll contact you. So you don't have to wait to that month mm-hmm. to, to give us a, a call. We can do it today, and we'll track your information and get back with you. And who should they call? You? They can call myself. They can call uh, Lauren Lewis in our office, um, and we've even got some contacts at DSS that they can contact. So. I would imagine that you guys probably work closely with social services, given that they're probably going out and they're they're working with folks either through WIC or through some of the different programs that they administer. And so there's just probably some sharing of information. And that's a good point. We we do. We work for them intensely for that one month. And uh, they have an intake department. They Many of the folks that we deal with at times, um, they're already in their system. Sure. Um, so you, you're correct. Uh, and and it, it allows us to to... I wouldn't say seamlessly, but much more easily when it's ran through the intake department at DSS that's set up for that before it comes to us. So where would you like to see this program go? I mean, obviously it's expanded quite a bit in the the last few years, but I mean, if money was no object, what would you like to be able to do with this program five, ten years down the road? Um, I think... To sustain the program, we've we built a good infrastructure, and we want to keep the staple grants I mentioned, the, the ESFR and the URP, going because those are infinity, and they've been funded forever through the state. But um, I, I would certainly like to see if we could get some, some in-house dollars to start an appliance rehab program. And mm. what I mean by that is 
we could spend a couple thousand dollars a person or a family for someone that doesn't have a working refrigerator or a hot water heater or a stove. Things that, again, we take for granted, but to spend a couple thousand dollars, we could touch a lot of residents um, with that, those kind of funds. So that's something that we... Are those not eligible per your current funding? They are, but this would be a separate grant for those things only. Mm. And, you, and you talk about being able to react quickly. So if we build a program in-house with our own assistance policy, procurement policies and things that meet all the UG requirements through the county. Yeah. Um, then Uniform we, guidance is UG. That's, <laughs> that's the federal, that's the federal government's basically what they, the I's and T's that they force you to cross and dot. <laughs> right, right. And since we have experience with other programs, we know how to set it up, but we could do one in-house and we could react quickly based on funds and their availability. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to see that funded every year, but you know, it's a wish list. Yeah. yeah. And you list. don't have to put bids in the paper, you know, advertise for contractors and wait and then meet with everybody and say, this is the low bid. If okay. somebody needs a refrigerator, they need a refrigerator right. yeah. and they need it right then. And so if we have in-house money, you can just find a refrigerator that meets the requirements and buy it, buy it and have it delivered. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a big thing. If yeah. you don't have a refrigerator, you can't <laughs> stay there. Mm-hmm. As far as where the program could go, I mean, uh, there's there's uh, other grants that we could potentially apply for. We never want to get ahead of our, our staff or personnel. I've done that before. <laughs> it's not fun yeah. um, to have more work than staff can do because they'll leave you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, that but we've, we've looked at some other programs recently that we're trying to vet out, and some of that's like down payment assistance for first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. um, which is a big deal. Um, but But – if that can be implemented or implemented rather is still to be determined. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a, there's a ton of good work that's going on. Um, we appreciate um, both Mark and Pat for coming on the show today to, to tell us a little bit about um, the housing, the ERP. The urgent repair program. Urgen, yeah. <laughs> and other associated That's grants. right. There was there was two other acronyms thrown in there, too. But, yeah. No, gosh, there's okay, too many acronyms. Get, it's it, it, urgent repair program. Okay. It's ESFR, the Essential Single Family Rehabilitation Program, and CDBGNR, the Community Development Block Grant Neighborhood Revitalization. And Pat's just listing those off the top of her head. She's not looking at notes or anything. <laughs> so... That, that tells you the level that she's, the knowledge that's all in her head. <laughs> but thank you both for, for joining us for the work that you do and uh, best of continued success in both the housing programs and in just general grant writing. You make all of our lives easier. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, Dandrea Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Next week, our friends from the Cooperative Extension stop by to talk about something that's really sweet and really tasty, muscadine wine. <laughs>